Well, good morning. I, um, I'm just going to tell you right now that um, there is a chance. My heart is just so tender this morning that I might cry um, this morning. So if you're a crier, a sympathy crier, um, thank you for joining me in my tears. Um, appreciate that. Um, I, I, know, I know who some of you are. I won't call you out, but I appreciate you for sympathy crying. No, thank you. Um, no, it, it is good to be with you this morning, um, and it is good to worship the Lord. And we've, we're in this, this two-week series, and um, happy thanks for giving. And last week we talked about gratitude and generosity. Um, and Stephen shared, and he, sh- he shared on my behalf as well, um, just a thanks to you for the way you have been generous in giving to us as pastors here for pastor appreciation, and, and not just pastor appreciation. The way you pray for us, the way you care for us, um, that does not go unnoticed by either one of us. And we both have many peers and many colleagues who don't experience that kind of support. So thank you. Thank you for being the people of God that God has called you to be and allowing God to work in your hearts and in your lives. And we just get to sit back and watch and enjoy and celebrate and praise God for the things he's doing in your lives as he does them simultaneously in large. So thank you. Um, Thank you for that. And so this morning, we're going to talk about thankfulness a little bit more. Makes sense, right? Tis the season to talk, talk about thanks, right? Thanksgiving's coming around the corner. We're having a harvest dinner tonight, which I'm looking forward to. Um, when I came two years ago in October, and I was told of this harvest dinner, the buildup started then for me. Um, and every year at the end of the harvest dinner, I kind of let out this sigh of saying, I've got to wait a whole other year for the harvest dinner again. Um, and it really makes me sad. Um, it's something I'm not thankful for, the end of the harvest dinner. But I'm thankful for the beginning of the harvest dinner. Um, so I'm looking forward to that tonight. But thankfulness is, is what we're talking about. Um, and, and, and if you've got your Bibles um, or your phones or whatever you want to use, you could turn to the book of Colossians. Um, Colossians chapter 2, and, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, before we get there, um, I wanted to do something else. Um, so Colossians 2 is where we're going to be headed, but... Um, as you're getting your notes out and, and whatever, I know you probably don't take notes when I preach because I want to take notes when I preach either. Um, but this morning, please take out something to take notes with, the, the back of the bulletin or a pen or something like that. Um, and, and I want you to do something for me. Um, and I want you to, to do this exercise, but limit it a little bit. Uh, we, we can't spend uh, an exhaustive list here, but I want you to make a list of a couple things. And I know what you're probably thinking right now. You're thinking, oh, this is kind of a a count your blessings kind of thing, right? Where we're going to list off the things that I'm thankful for, um, to remember the things I'm thankful for. Actually, I want to do something a little bit differently. I want to flip that on its head. I want you to write down one, two, three things maybe that you're not thankful for. Things you don't appreciate about your life or the circumstances you find yourself in. Things that just are not the way they should be or ought to be or would be ideal. What are those things that you're just like, man, I wish I didn't have that. Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh. And there's been lots of speculation 
about biblical scholars for years about what that thorn was, but there was this thing that plagued Paul that he just never could seem to get rid of. So what are those things for you that you're not thankful for? That when you were giving thanks earlier, those things were far from your mind because those were not something to give thanks for, like the end of the harvest dinner. Maybe your list is somewhat similar to mine, and and, and they'll range, right? So we've got, um, perhaps for some of you, you you wrote things about, uh, internally, about yourself, about your, the way you look at life, the way you deal with life, the way you, you process other people around you. You don't, you don't like that about yourself, right? So you're not thankful for that. Maybe for others of you, you had these external factors coming in. You don't like the way that this happens. You don't like the neighborhood you found yourself in. It's changed since you bought your house, and, and now the neighborhood's not what it once was. You're, you're not thankful for that anymore. Some of the things we control, some of the things we don't control. For me, some of the things, and if you follow me on Facebook, you saw some of the things that, that I probably wasn't thankful for this week. My car was having issues. And car problems are things that none of us are ever thankful for, right? But this one is a perpetual nightmare. This car just continues to give me headaches. As soon as I fix one problem, I get another one. I'm not thankful for that car. Even though it gives us a second vehicle with a growing family, you need those wheels to to transport and get kids different places at different times. And I work, and my wife works, and kids got to be at school and then picked up from school and It makes life complicated, but it also makes it frustrating when you can't trust that the car is going to start to get you where you need to go. I'm not thankful for that. I'm thankful for my education, and I'm thankful for for the things that I've learned in my life through that, but I'm not thankful for the debt that that's brought on my life. I'm not thankful for what that means every every month when I've got to pay those bills And all the other stuff I can't put that money towards, towards saving, or towards my kid's college, or whatever else I've got to pay, or fixing a car, right? There are things in our lives that we're just not thankful for. And maybe for some of you, it doesn't seem like it's just one or two things that you're not thankful for. It seems like the majority of things are things you're not thankful for. Thanksgiving is hard. This time of year is hard because everybody's telling you to give thanks. Be appreciative. Be thankful for what you have. And you're just sitting there saying, I don't have a lot to be thankful for. There's a lot more stuff in my life that's wrong than right. Why should I give thanks? And and the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes... As well-meaning as we tend to be or try to be, us Christian folk use Scripture to invalidate those feelings of unthankfulness and say, you're supposed to be happy. You believe in Jesus, don't you? Be happy. Doesn't matter how bad your life is. Be happy. But the truth is, we still deal with those moments of unthankfulness. Here's some of the Scriptures that we talk about giving thanks. Just a quick overshot. Um, We'll still be in Colossians for our main reading today. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, 
and be thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exults, and with my song I give thanks to him. Last one. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and perform your vows to the Most High. If you did a quick Google search or Looked in the back of your Bible, some Bibles have concordances, and you can do a little word search, and they'll give you passages that, that tell you, you look up the word, and it says, these passages include this word. So this is one of those kind of searches. Well, you just search for thanks found in through Scripture, and you can find more passages. This isn't all of them. And all of these are true. They're the word of God. They're true. They're right. They're good. But because those are true— it doesn't mean that we don't have things that we're not thankful for in our lives. Even though these scriptures are true, it doesn't mean that our life is always happy and joyful. Sometimes it stinks. And so how do we have thanks? How do we, in all circumstances, be thankful How do we find that spirit of thankfulness even when things seem less than thanks or praiseworthy, thanksworthy? Thankfulness is more than just a state of response. It's not just how you feel about something. Well, this is weird, right? This is weird, like, understanding this. But, but thankfulness is not just the way we respond to something. Thankfulness goes all the way to the core of our hearts. It goes to our spirit. It goes to the very essence of our being. And you can have a thankful spirit and still not appreciate every single aspect of your life. If you're thanking the right thing. Now, I don't know about you, um, but in my list of, of things I'm not thankful for, uh, primarily what those all are, and it goes beyond the three things, right? I've got more things than that that I'm not thankful for. But they primarily are all circumstances that my emotion is responding to. I'm not thankful because this happened. I'm not thankful because this relationship went this way. I'm not thankful because... 
I was a bonehead and I did that stupid thing that I shouldn't have done. Their circumstances, their response to the circumstances. But when we talk about thankfulness in the scripture sense, and the way that God talks about thankfulness, it's the state of who you are. Because what you're thankful for isn't bound by what you're experiencing. It's bound by who God is. It's bound by who God is. And so you can be thankful despite all the circumstances of your life because God hasn't changed. God is constant. And not only is God constant, but God is constant love. And God is constant grace. And God is constant forgiveness. For you and for me. And for anyone else who calls on the name of the Lord. That's who God is. So when we come to a place of thankfulness as God describes it, we move beyond responding to every little thing that happens to us on a day-to-day basis and we realize that what I'm thankful for or what I appreciate isn't about the things that can happen to me or against me. It's about the constant of God and what Jesus did through the cross. Thankfulness is an overflow of our relationship with Him because as we empty ourselves of all of these circumstance responses, of all of this personal stuff, of all of this inward selfish focus, when we remove all of that from ourselves, we allow ourselves then to be filled up with the Spirit of God. And the circumstances don't change who God is. It's kind of like you're wearing a, a bubble suit, right? See that old movie, Bubble Boy? Anybody? No? Walked around in a big old bubble suit because his mom was afraid that he was going to get germs and get sick. And <coughs> so he walked around his whole life in this bubble suit, never being able to experience life as it was coming at him, just kind of incubated in this, this bubble But what's so cool about God is that God doesn't need the bubble suit. You get to experience life and still be freed from all that that weighs you down. You get to experience love and emotion. You get to experience the highs and lows of life. And God still doesn't change. It's better than a bubble suit. God allows us to experience and still be protected. So let's turn to Colossians chapter 2. And, and some of the scriptures will be up on the screen, but if you want to follow along um, and you turn to your, your Bible or your, your phone or what have you, Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6, and I'm going to read through 15 right now. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted And built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Hey, there's that word again. See to it that no one takes you captive 
through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ. Let me say that again, verse 10. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him, you are all circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to your religious festival, new moon celebration, or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. It's through verse 17, actually. We often don't go through life expecting anticipating, looking for those moments to experience the fullness of Christ living in us. Where Christ is the source, the end all, the be all, the beginning, the end of everything we do. We often go through life just kind of hoping that hits that come aren't so bad that they knock us out. And we say, man, I gotta, I gotta learn to dodge that one a little bit better. I, I should have seen that right cross coming. But the fullness of Christ allows us to stand in the middle of it and not be shaken. A few weeks ago when I, when I was in here and I preached, we preached about faith to freedom. And we talked about this story that Jesus had with his disciples where Jesus was walking along the road and he passed a fig tree. I'm not, sorry, not a fig tree. He, he passed a, a tree with maple or mustard seeds. And he said, hey, he, here's the deal. Um, your faith, if your faith is so small that it's the size of a mustard seed, you can tell this tree over here to uproot itself and go get planted in the sea. And it'll do it. Now, the cool thing about all that, and I'm giving this away, so if you want to go back and listen to the sermon, this is, this is the culmination of the sermon, so I'm giving the ending away. But the cool thing about all of that is that the sea that Jesus is referring to most likely is the Dead Sea. A sea full of so much salt that nothing can grow in there. The concentration was so heavy, so dense, right? If you, went to, if you traveled there today, you could float in the Dead Sea even if you can't swim like me. Because there's so much salt, you just lay there. You can't, like, 
sink in it. It's just so salty. So nothing can grow in there. And Jesus says, if your faith is so small it's the size of a mustard seed, this is how full I make you, is what Jesus is saying. This is what I do for your life. Your life can be planted where there is death and decay, and all people will see is life. You can be planted right where there is death and decay. Nothing grows there. Nothing flourishes there. There is no good there. And all people see is life. That's fullness in Christ. That's the Spirit living in us, filling us up. And I know that, that many of us in this room today are in a variety of places in our spiritual walk. Perhaps some of you have been following Jesus longer than I've been alive. I know some of you have been following Jesus longer than I've been alive. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And some of you just decided last week to follow Jesus. Praise the Lord. And some of you haven't made that decision yet. Praise the Lord, because I think he's calling you. Because he loves you. So wherever we're at in that spectrum, in that field, this is the cool thing about, about Christianity that, that just got me so jazzed. I remember when I was a teenager, and I, I began to understand some of the stuff about the fullness of Christ and Christ's Spirit living in us, and what that means for the Christian life, is that it doesn't matter if you started to believe in Jesus today, or you s believed in Jesus 60, 70, 80, 90 years ago. The same Jesus that's in that 90-year-old Christian is the same Jesus that's in that one-day-old Christian, and the same power lives in all of us, because it's Jesus's power, not ours. Take a look at the screen. Colossians chapter 2, 6 to 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I, mean, I hardly have to preach off this text. Like, Paul did it for me. Rooted, strengthened, Digging, deeps, di digging deep roots. Investing yourself somewhere so that others can pour into you. So that the soil around you nourishes your roots. That the water comes in and helps you grow. That the sunlight beams on you and helps you flourish and grow to what you're supposed to be. And then we can be overflowing with thankfulness. Doesn't mean life's perfect. Doesn't mean there's nothing bad that never happens to you. Negative's all messed up there. Bad stuff still happens, right? But we can be overflowing with thankfulness because of who God is and what God has done. To be filled with Christ, we must become empty of ourselves. We must become empty of ourselves to be filled with Christ. Because every part of us that's still in us keeps us from being full of Christ, right? Full, how much of a, of a container is full? If you gave it a percentage, how much of a container needs to be filled with that to be full of that? 
100%, right? So if you're preserving 10% for whatever it is, right? I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm preaching to myself. If I'm holding back 10% because this is something that, that I just, this is, I just really care about it. And I really like it. And, and, and it makes me feel good about my life. And, and, and this, this thing is just, I know it's not Jesus. And, and I've given Jesus 90%. That's pretty good. That's an A, right? I mean, that's, that's a pretty good grade. Aim, okay, thanks, teacher. <laughs> A's an A. I'm good with an A minus. <laughs> but to be full, the fullness experiences everything that God wants for us, we have to give up that 10% or 20% or 50% or however much we're holding back for ourselves. And God will fill it and fill you to a place you didn't anticipate ever being. Funny thing is, and maybe ironic almost, but it was the plan, but we look at it ironically. God knew what he was doing. Is that what's held us back as a, as a species, as humanity, from experiencing all God has for us is our humanity. Our sinfulness. The fact that in, in Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the garden, or didn't enter the garden, but it entered our lives as we were kicked out of the garden. And now sin is something we all contend with. We all deal with it. We all experiences and it all comes at us and so humanity is what has kept us back from experiencing god our free will and our sinful nature now but what's so cool is that what has saved us is the humanity and the deity the divinity of jesus because if jesus was only god when he went to this cross they would have been unable to kill him. As Jesus came to the cross, if he was only fully God, there would have been no weapon or tool that could kill him because he's God. But Jesus was not only fully God, Jesus was also fully man, so he could hang here and he could die and he could be buried, laid in the tomb, for three days, when God spoke again and brought Jesus back to life. So the story that holds us back is also the story that frees us through Jesus. You've probably said it, I've said it a lot of times. Make a mistake and you go, I'm only human. Right? You can't hold me accountable to that. I mean, I'm, I'm human after all. We all make mistakes, which is true, right? But it's our, it's our humanity that makes us who God wants us to be. God created us with that. He put his image inside of us. He didn't put his image inside of lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. He put his image in us. In humans to experience experience God in new ways. 
Oops, wrong way. Nope, that's the right way. Just kidding. I didn't change my, I didn't change my, uh, my references there at the bottom of the page, so that's the right one. So this is uh, Colossians 2 still, but it's not uh, as it says on there. So Colossians 2, verse, verse 11. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Now, I don't think I need to go into the explanation of what circumcision is here. Right? But, this was a huge deal for the people of God. Circumcision meant whether you were in or you were out. And so Paul, who converted and became a follower of Jesus, although he was not born Jewish, he was not circumcised, there was contention amongst some of the, the followers of Jesus at the time. and said, well, we can't let Paul preach. He's not in. I mean, unless he wants to go and have a medical procedure and fix things. But Jesus' work is so much more than what we experience here. This fullness of Christ, right? The Spirit of Christ living in us is so much more than the things that impact us or we impact in the world. Nobody can hinder what God wants to do in your life other than you allowing God to do it. Did you hear that? Nobody can stop God from changing your life unless you don't want God to change your life. Nobody can stop it. So the circumcision that, that Paul talks about and that we believe in is the circumcision of the heart. This removing of self. Emptying myself so that Christ can fill me. Circumcision of your heart is going to be painful. It's going to hurt. Because God asks us to abandon things that we sometimes don't want to abandon. But he asks us to abandon it because it's keeping him from filling us up. He says, I want to fill you. I don't just want 90%. I don't want 95%. 99%'s not good enough. I want the whole thing. You mean that much to me that I want to fill you completely. I love you that much that I want to fill you completely. So don't hold back. But it's going to be painful. It's going to hurt. And there are moments in a, in a congregation like this, in the body of Christ, where we walk through some of that together. Well, a fancy theological term for it would be a consecration. Consecration of yourself and then sanctification as the Spirit works in you. This giving of yourself away to God. What he's asking you to give up might not even be sin. 
There might be a day when God comes to me and says, Matthew, you've had a, a long history with comic books, superheroes, collecting. You watch all the movies. You collect stuff. I want you to give that up. No, it's not sinful. But it's, it's kind of holding you back from experiencing all I have for you. The time you're spending there is time I want with you. The money you're investing there, man, I've got some other ideas. I, I've got some things I want you to spend that money on instead. He hasn't asked me to do that at this point. Praise the Lord. But he might. And my decision then is will I allow my heart to be circumcised once again? Will I allow God to cut out the thing that is keeping him from filling me all the way up? And experience newness and wholeness in Christ. Still in Colossians chapter 2 there. Verse 14. It says, He forgave us all our sins. Talking about Jesus. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, over them by the cross. The tool that was meant to ridicule and humiliate and demean and end Jesus' whole upheaval of the, the Roman government that everybody was so afraid of is the tool that God used to win. And win in far bigger ways than anybody was anticipating. I'm not even sure the disciples always understood the capacity of what we were talking about here as Jesus was going to die on the cross. It wasn't about toppling over a government. It wasn't about upheaval of the religious training and education, although this was all components of this happening. What it was, was Jesus breaking the curse of sin and ultimately death. So that because we believe in Jesus, and death has no hold on Jesus, death therefore has no hold on us. Fullness of Christ. Fullness of experiencing everything that God wants for us. To the point that our lives are free. This uncircumcision for the Jewish people was seen as a mark of death. Haven't been brought into the fold. You haven't been cleansed and purified. I think Jesus 
probably th- thought of it this way as he traveled along the road with the disciples and he came across the fig tree. This time it was the fig tree. He came across the fig tree and he saw that it was in full leaf. And he went up to the tree to grab some food off of it because he was hungry. He'd been walking all day long. And, and, and the fig tree, the buds would bloom, the leaves would bloom after the fruit was already grown on the tree. So if it was in full leaf, then there should be fruit on that tree. And so Jesus walks up to the tree and he begins to look in the tree. And I man, imagine he's like standing inside of it now because he's looked and looked and looked. And he can't find anything in there. But it looks like it should have fruit on it. It looks like it's alive. It looks like it should have what it was created to have. And Jesus turns and looks at the tree and he curses it. He says, may you never bear fruit again. I read that, that passage, that story, and I thought, man, am I that fig tree sometimes? How easy is it to be that fig tree? I mean, I, I am what you might consider a professional Christian. I make a paycheck by result of my faith. Right? And it's a weird blending of worlds. And so it's, it's very easy for people to say, well, you're doing that because you make a paycheck. And it's also very easy for me to say, I don't feel like going to church today, but it's part of my job, so I need to go to church today. Right? But I don't want to be a tree. That looks like it has leaf. That looks like it has fruit. That looks alive and flourishing. That looks like it has the fullness of Christ in it, but is really empty. Because I'm so full of myself that I don't have time to let God have any of it. I'm so full of what I want to get out of life what I want to interact with, the, the, the fun I want to have, the experiences I want to make, that I don't have time to let God take some of that. And so I look full, because I say the right things, and I do the right things. I don't do the wrong things. I'm good, but I'm dead. I'm dead. Fullness in Christ is not just something that is a warm and fuzzy that preachers and pastors like to talk about. Fullness of Christ is a challenge. It's hard. It's painful. It's sacrifice. But it's the best thing we can ever do. Fullness is not just about heaven either. I'm I'm looking forward to heaven, and I'm thankful for heaven, and I want to celebrate that I get to go to heaven. But if my life was just about heaven, 
I could hold off a few years on this God thing and wait till I'm a little bit closer to heaven to make some decisions about heaven, right? Fullness in Christ is about your life now, today, here, in this moment, in this place, with everything going on around you. That tree planted in death and decay, but everybody only sees life. That's fullness in Christ. So I, I, I want to do something um, maybe a little out of the ordinary for you today, um, but we're going to do it anyway. Sandy, would you mind? Well, there she is. I, I saw you somewhere. Would you mind coming and playing something? Um, and, and I don't know where you are today um, in this fullness of Christ aspect you might be 100%, and, and you're just saying, praise the Lord, this is right on. This is, this is wonderful. But maybe there's something that's holding you back. Maybe there's an aspect of your life that you know you're holding on to, that you know God is saying, you need to give this up so I can fill you, so I can invest in you, so that your life is then overflowing with me. And all people see is life. So I just want to take a couple minutes. The altars are open. If, if, if you would like to come forward and pray at the altar, someone would come pray with you. Or if you want to sit where you're seated and talk to God in a moment of self-reflection, surrender the things to God that God is asking you to surrender. And maybe for somebody in here, you haven't made that step that initial step of acceptance of Jesus and what he has done. Today's a great opportunity to do that. It's super simple. All you have to do is acknowledge you're sinful and ask God to forgive you and Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Let's just take a couple minutes as you sit and reflect in silence.
ask us to do one more awkward thing. Because I believe in, in this body. I believe in what this is. And so a lot of times, you know, we, we, we try to respect your privacy and keep things quiet. But there are times we need to celebrate things too as a body. So I don't know what it was, um, but I would love to talk about it if you want to share. But if you gave something over to God today that you know he's been asking you to give over, and you finally surrendered it and finally said, take it, will you just raise your hand? Would you just raise your hand that God gave you something? And would the rest, everybody else, just praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord for that. Heavenly Father, you are good. You are a good, 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 good God. That's who you are. And our circumstances don't change that. And so, Heavenly Father, I just ask that today you fill us. Fill us to the brim, to the point that it's overflowing. Fill us to the place that that people can't help but see what Jesus has done in our lives because it's making a mess on everything around us. That our life just spreads. People witness what Jesus has done for us. Jesus, I love you. We love you today. We just ask that you continue to make us more like you. Fill us to the fullest point today in this place. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.